0: You know, as we were praying this morning, I was contemplating the message and musing on what I would be sharing. And I had this image of standing suddenly on the edge of a riverbank, a sandy riverbank. And the thought came to me that when any of us prepare a message or we step into the word, as it were, to receive from the Lord, it's such a small part of what God has to offer us, you know, standing in the river, you can't absorb all that the river is at best. We step out deeper. And if we're really brave, we let the water rush over us and we're cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. So this morning I want us to step out a little deeper. Um, if we're really brave, hold your nose and go under and, uh, may the Lord wash us. May the Lord fill us. Uh, May the Lord change us to his glory. You know, one of the attributes that we uh, uh, attribute to a father is provider. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about the provision of God. Of course, we've been meeting online now for over three months. Our workplaces and our jobs have been radically changed. Some of us are out of work or our work has been significantly diminished. And as a result, our our financial resources have been stretched or in some cases, severely strained or even depleted. How long can we live like this? It's a question that many, if not all of us are asking in one way or another. And that question is usually coupled with another question. Will life ever return to normal again? In concert with these questions that both believers and non-believers are asking, I think many of us as believers are beginning to come to grips with a deeper and more poignant question. Do I really trust God to take care of me, to take care of my family, to be my provider? We've heard some very encouraging messages in the past few weeks concerning what we believe and what we know about God. Um, his character, his attributes, and as a result of knowing what we believe about God or know about God, we've also understood more about who we are in him. I want to build some on a message that I shared with you on May the 3rd, entitled, God is Our Confidence. You may remember that in that message, I made the point that It's through the inspired Word of God that the character of Christ is revealed to us. It's through the Holy Spirit that Christ's character, his very nature, becomes living and viable and evident in us. Christ is the persistent, passionate pursuer of our souls, and he's the perfecter of our faith. He's also our intercessor to the Father. What he calls us to he also accomplishes in us. And it's in the Word of God that we find the confidence to endure times like these and those to come. I hope you'll remember the pivotal change in attitude and thinking that we looked at in that message in Psalm 77. Our confidence in God is renewed and restored by remembering, meditating, and musing on the works and deeds of God throughout history as recorded in the scriptures. Well, today I want us to remember, to meditate, and to muse on the promises of God related to his provision for his people. I want us to renew our confidence this morning that no matter what comes next, our God is faithful, and he is our provider. Jehovah Yare, the Lord will provide. I want to approach our discussion on the provision of God from two primary instances in Scripture. First, from the direct teaching and words of our Lord Jesus, and secondly, from the perspective of the Apostle Paul, who struggled to live out those words practically and faithfully. So let's look together first at the words of Jesus found in Matthew 6, beginning with verse 19 through 24. In verses 19 through 21, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. First question this morning, where is our heart? To know this, look at your treasure. What is most important to me? What am I storing up for myself? Are they earthly treasures or heavenly treasures? Jesus then addresses our eyesight in verses 23 through 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. So question number two, how is your eyesight? Are we seeing clearly? Do we have a healthy spiritual perception of who Christ is and who he is in us? I'd like to put it like this. Is Christ the light of our sight? Do we see the world and the events unfolding before us this morning as God sees them? Or are we looking and seeing them in the natural man? Well, these two questions set up for the decision that Christ declares we must make in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or wealth. So question number three, who are we serving? In order to cure anxiety in our lives, we must answer these three questions. Where is my heart? How is my eyesight? And who am I serving? I like trying to couch biblical principles sometimes in terms that are easy for me to remember, and alliteration always helps me. So, in these verses, I came up with three P's to help me remember them. So, please indulge me for just a moment. In preparation for declaring his provision for his people, Jesus clarifies that provision is preceded by possession, perception, And profession. He must be the possession of our hearts, the treasure that we seek. He must be the perception of our eyes, the light of our sight, and he must be the profession of our service, the one we call Lord and commit our very lives to serve. We long for him in our hearts, we look to him with our eyes, and we bow to him as the only Lord that we will serve. In verse 24, Jesus sets up his message about anxiety and worry by making the statement, no one can serve two masters. We have to make a decision right up front, who will we serve? Now, having settled the questions of possession, perception, and profession, the Lord tells us the cure for what causes us anxiety in this life. Beginning with verse 25, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I would love to have heard Jesus' inflection (laughs) delivering those words, how he delivered uh, the meaning that he was conveying. What I take out of this, though, is that Jesus does not want us to be anxious. One of the great benefits and fruits of the kingship of Christ in our lives is freedom from anxiety. The key, I believe, to walking in the peace that comes from releasing anxiety to God is perception. It's seeing, looking, having Christ's light in our sight. Here's a potential principle to remember where we're looking determines where we're going. We have to perceive correctly to receive correctly. Jesus says to look at the birds. Look at the lilies of the field. Look towards the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Set your heart treasure in heaven. Set your eyesight on his kingdom and righteousness. Do not worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. His will for us this morning is that we not be anxious about anything, but that we walk in his peace and security and provision. Now, if we're born again, if we've repented and turned from sin, if we confess Christ as our Savior and Lord, then these words from Jesus in Matthew six twenty-four through 34 are spoken directly to us. He's speaking these words to us that we might overcome whatever is causing us to be anxious. Okay, now that we know what Jesus thinks about our anxiety and what we need to do to be in right standing with him in order to receive his provision, but how do we practically live this out? Let's look at one instance in the life of the Apostle Paul where he did just that. Turn with me, please, to Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you've you've revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from the paproditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. When this incredible passage of Scripture I want to pull out four key points regarding how Paul lived out what Jesus taught in Matthew 6. Now, keep in mind that Paul had long before answered the question of who he would serve. He was the bondservant of Christ. And in answering the question of whose he was, Paul also answered the question of where his heart was and where his eyesight was focused. To Paul, Christ is all and in all, the sum total of all spiritual things. In Christ, Paul lived and moved and had his being. Now, if anyone ever had reason to be anxious and worried, I think it was Paul. In his life of service, he had often been shipwrecked, beaten, and imprisoned, and even sentenced to death. But he counted it as a privilege to suffer in service to Christ. And in that surrendered, submitted servanthood, He was well qualified to model for us how to walk in the peace of God, free from anxiety. So how did Paul manage to find peace in the midst of calamity, chaos, and persecution? Well, number one it's found in verse six and seven. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer and supplication are in some ways the spiritual correlation, I think, to look at the birds and consider the lilies of the field. Prayer is where we stop the escalation of anxiety and we look. We look to God and the examples of his presence and provision that are all around us. John Piper once said that God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. Prayer is where we stop and we recount the blessings of God and try to see what he's doing. Prayer is how the believer refocuses his or her life on Christ and his kingdom and his righteousness. Prayer is looking to Christ and seeing his provision. And supplication with thanksgiving is the acknowledgement to God that he is the source of all that we need and all that we could ever possibly desire by surrendering our desire to, our desires to his. The second point, verses 8 through 9, reflect the living out of seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. We find the peace of God in living out the kingdom attributes of truth, honor, doing the right, purity, etc. We're to dwell on excellence and those things worthy of praise. They have to be practiced. They have to be pursued. And if they are, then the God of peace will be with you. Point number three, Paul had learned to be content with Christ. Verse 11, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The peace of God comes through learning contentment in God. You may remember a message I prepared in February of 2019 on living dangerously for the kingdom of God. In that message, we looked at learning to be content in God. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and and pierced themselves with many griefs. John Stott once said, life on earth is a brief pilgrimage between two moments of nakedness, so we would be wise to travel light. We shall take nothing with us. Point number four, what Paul needed God had supplied, and his confidence in God's provision for those called according to his purposes, enabled him to proclaim this to the church at Philippi. In verse 19, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God is our provider, It's it's one of his names, Jehovah Yareh, the Lord will provide. Now, this brings up an important question if we're going to be honest and genuine in our faith and in our understanding of the provision of God for his children. The Lord is our provider, but are God's children always supplied with enough to stay alive? Ponder that thought a minute. Are God's children always supplied with enough to stay alive? No, they're not. In Luke 21:16 through 18, Jesus says, You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for your namesake, but not a hair of your head will perish. Now that's a sobering word from the lips of Jesus regarding his followers, is it not? Throughout the history of the church, some of God's people have faced famine, deprivation, imprisonment, and death. Romans 8.35 says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. In light of this verse, what does it mean that God will supply our needs? John Piper, in considering the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, and in light of Luke 21, 16 through 18, and others, made this observation. Everything will be given to us that we need in order to do God's will, in order to glorify God most fully, even if it means death. Jesus isn't promising all the food, all the clothing, all the housing, all the health care, all the protection that we need to be comfortable or even to stay alive. He says that we are going to die in His service. He's promising that we will have every single one of those things in exactly the right measure for doing His will and glorifying His name, even if it means perishing from exposure, Or starvation in the path of obedience. We are supplied by God everything we need to accomplish that which he calls us to do and to be and to live out to his glory. If we agree with God to live under his kingship as a representative of his kingdom, then he will supply everything that we need in order to accomplish what he calls us to be and to do in order to accomplish his will in us and through us. This is a sobering but powerful idea for us to lay hold of. God is not my genie, and prayer is not a magic lamp that I can rub to get what I perceive that I need or want. If I love God and choose to make him the treasure of my heart, the light of my sight, and the only one that I serve, then my desire is only to please him. My food, my sustenance, then, is to do the will of the Father. It helps to remind myself regularly that God is God, and I am not. So what can I boldly ask of God because of my relationship with Jesus when I pray? I can boldly ask what Jesus taught me. Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. God will meet our needs today. His grace is available and sufficient for today. We're not to be anxious about the future or even tomorrow for every day has its own trouble. This morning, are you experiencing the peace of God as you are walking with the God of peace? Do you have confidence that God has you in his hand? Or are you struggling today with questions about tomorrow? It's a natural thing to do. We're stepping in and and hopefully diving out into the deeper end, the supernatural. In closing, I want us to consider one more nugget from John Piper, this question. What is the deepest root of your joy? What is the deepest root of your joy? Is it what God gives to you, Or what God is to you? What is the deepest root of your joy? What God gives to you, or what God is to you? God graciously guides us into a greater realization that our ultimate need is for more of His Word, more of His ways, more of Him. We cannot know what our lives will be like in the next week, the next month, one year, not even tomorrow. But if this shaking that's taking place causes us to release the bond of things, the attachment of encumbrances to our relationship with Christ, then why should we be anxious to lose them or be removed from them? As long as Christ is for us, who can be against us? Brothers and sisters in Christ, let us resolve whom we serve. Let us look to him with clear eyes and heaven bound hearts to exchange our anxiety to walk in his peace. Do we believe that God is God today? And believe that he will be God tomorrow as well. I want to close our time in the word this morning with Psalm 3725. i love this verse for many years. It's becoming more applicable all the time for me. I've been young and now I am old. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. Jehovah Yare, the Lord will provide.
1: Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that in our fellowship,
0: I think predominantly we've all settled the question, whom will we serve? And yet, daily, you call us to take up the cross and make that affirmation again to follow you. It's a daily dying that we have to do. Heaven is not our inclination often, but I thank you that it's our destination. Um, We ask that you'd work in our hearts in such a way that it becomes more of our inclination, uh, that we have heaven-bound hearts committed to you, that we have... Eyes that have, our sight has been lighted with your light, um, Lord. These are anxious times for people that don't know you. I can't imagine, Lord. I thank you that we've not trusted in chariots, we've not trusted in horses. Uh, we don't trust in our strength. We don't trust in our ability to uh, to generate wealth. To um, Accumulate things. If anything, those things are an impediment to our relationship with you. God, we thank you for what you've given us. We thank you for what you've accomplished in us. But we ask you to do a work in our heart that helps us to release things, to release anxiety, uh, to release a concern about tomorrow that's really a problem of faith. Help us to be content. God, with where you've placed us, what you've given us, but not to be content with where we are because we want to go further. Uh, We're in the edge of the riverbank, Lord, an ankle deep. No matter how long we've been with you, we'll never be able to comprehend it all. As the word says, there aren't even enough books in the world to contain all that you do and all that you are. Lord, draw us out to the deep. wash over us by your spirit may we be washed by the water of the word may our hearts be clean and our hands be clean before you we thank you for your provision for us this day we thank you that your grace is sufficient this day we believe that you are god today in our lives and lord we believe that you will be god tomorrow we release the anxiety We thank you for your plan. We thank you that your word says that what you call us to, you will do it. Accomplish your work in this, Lord, to your glory. And I thank you that whatever you call us to, whatever is awaiting us tomorrow or next week or the week after that, you see it. You understand it. You have a plan for it. Your grace is sufficient for it.
1: We just ask you to glorify yourself in us. That's our heart. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
2: Thank you, Randy. I, I, it's really funny because as you were going to the end of your message, I had a scripture going in my mind, and it was the very one that you read out of um, Psalm, Psalm 37. I have been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed, I think King James says, or his descendants begging bread. I can remember reading a a book oh many, many years ago and about a a couple missionaries, I believe in Cambodia and they had this scripture hanging on their wall. And things got desperate, and then they got more desperate, and they got more desperate, and they got to the point, almost in despair, of going, God, your word says this, but I can't see it, it's not happening. They eventually came out of it, but the the point is, it doesn't always happen instantly. The word of God is there, but... A lot of times there's a, there are a lot of trials and testings to see if you're going to hold on to it. And if you don't keep your eyes on faith instead of the flesh, the word will seem to fail, even though it never fails. But it's it's very very difficult sometimes not to to let your faith slide into despair. So this scripture is meaningful to me too. Thanks, Randy.
0: Thank you, Andy. That brought so much hope to me. It just really spoke to my heart, and my heart condition today as well. Thank you, brother.
3: One of the things I I jotted down was a phrase, um, stop escalating anxiety. I was thinking, okay, Lord, here I am looking, I'm looking, I'm looking out the, our window here and I'm seeing trees and leaves and birds flying around. And I think God knows every bird and every place that's out there. And he knows the number of hairs on my head. Why would I escalate anxiety? What's the value of that? I guess you feel like you want to contribute, you want to solve the problems of the world. And there is a place to get involved, but not in anxiousness. Um, I just want to stop escalating anxiety, um, to anyone, you know, that's
0: we're purveyors of peace. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I do have one more song. To share and Randy it's one that uh, you had sung a line the other day so hope this is not a surprise me and Andre Crouch go way back to 1976 I was in Colorado and I heard him sing this <laughs> yeah.
4: is the answer for the world today above him there's no other Jesus is the way Jesus is the answer for the world day,
3: above
4: Him there's no other, cause Jesus is the way. If you have some questions in the corner of your mind, faces of discouragement and peace you cannot find reflections of your past seem to face you every day but this one thing i know for sure jesus is away I know you've got mountains That you think you cannot climb I know your skies look dark You think the one sun won't shine In case you don't, don't know it Every word of God is true everything he's promised, he will do it for you. Let me tell you, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today, above Him there's no other, because Jesus is the way. the second verse again. I know you've got mountains that you think you cannot climb i know your skies look dark you think the sun won't shine in case you you don't know it every word of god is true and everything he's promised will do it for you Jesus is the answer for the world today above him there's no other Jesus is the way Jesus is the answer the world today above him there's no other because jesus is the way jesus is
3: The refrain of that song just uh, reminds us all the strategies and plans and tactics of mankind. Uh, If they depart, Lord, from the word of God, they will fall short. Lord, help us to stop escalating anxiety. Help us to trust you, Lord God, that uh, we can release concerns about tomorrow because we have today. Lord, let us find peace in doing the things that your word says are excellent and and worthy of praise. Lord, we trust you. We trust you, Lord, that you are preparing a home for us in heaven. We trust you, Lord God, that Jesus is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Lord, we trust you that your word is true and sure. It's established, Lord, in the heavens. It's it, 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 is, it doesn't come back void, Lord, when we live and we speak and we, we think according to the word of God. It does not come back void, Lord. It bears truth. It rejoices, Lord, in truth. It bears all things. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Mary, you have anything you want to mention to us here this morning?
5: I do. Um, Before I make the announcements, I I would like to say something in regard to Father's Day and fathers. Um, Forty-five years ago yesterday, my daddy died. And um, on this day, 45 years ago, we were preparing for a viewing and preparing to bury him then the following day and i've i've been thinking a lot this morning about um i was thinking earlier you know that god chose my daddy for me and me for my daddy and it's true with each of you i was i was thinking about the number of you that i have known your daddies ones that are still living or ones that, that have died. Um, but God chose your daddy for you and you for your daddy. Um, my daddy was an orphan. He was orf. His daddy died when he was nine years old. He didn't really know how to be a father. Um, but there were some things that he did know and he came to know Jesus even in the midst of his brokenness. And, um, I loved my daddy. He gave me absolutely everything that he had to give. Even out of his brokenness, he gave me what he had to give. And in the um, church where we went, you had to go through communicants classes before you made a public profession of your faith. And the night before, I was going to stand up in front of the church and profess that I wanted to follow Jesus, even though I didn't really understand what that meant at that time. But my daddy said, this is the most important decision that you will ever make in your life. And he was so right. And, um, and he supported me in that. He encouraged me in that. And um, it was true. Then many years later, after daddy had died, I had I'd come to a point in my life and I'd really made some very poor decisions. And um, and I had to, to go to a man that was like my spiritual father at the time. And his name was Herman. I said, Herman, it, uh, because I, I just needed him to pray. And um, I said, but I was so embarrassed. And I said, if there's anybody, I would rather not be coming to with these things because I'm so embarrassed at you because you're like my spiritual father. He said, Mary, because I am like your spiritual father, there is no one else that I would rather you be coming to. And so two examples of a, of a daddy, natural daddy and a, and a spiritual daddy. And, um, And I just want to encourage all of you, no matter what the situation with your daddies, Wayne, your daddy's still living, he's over a hundred years old. Jill, your daddy gave his life to Jesus a week or two before he died. Um, I just want to encourage you to give thanks for the daddies that that you've had. And um, to not stop there, but to look to your father. Because he is, he, our father who is in heaven is the perfect father without brokenness, but he also knows that he gave us the daddies that we've had and, um, and that we would, we would give thanks to him for, for that. So I appreciate you letting me share that. It was just, um, in, in my heart today Mm -hmm. and, um, and I can now rejoice. Um, you know, and continue. Randy, you said where where we're looking determines where we're going, <laughs> and we need to keep our eyes on our heavenly Father. Uh, I decided many years ago to follow Jesus, and I'm deciding today to follow Jesus. And today I'm also deciding to celebrate with G. Young. Um, I don't know if Sunlock is still on, but uh today is Ji Young's birthday. Oh. So we celebrate the life of Ji Young. Oh, yeah. Son luck is Ji Young around?
1: Uh just a moment. Yeah,
5: so today oh, yeah. is Ji Young's birthday. He's coming. While while he while he's getting hurt. <laughs> yeah.
0: Sorry,
1: Uh, she's in the second floor now. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your congratulations. Yeah.
5: Yes. Congratulations. And Simon, are you still on with us? Is Simon here? Hello. Okay, Simon has has something special happening on Thursday. What would that be, Simon? <laughs> yeah, I think your I can't hear you no, not that well. Simon.
1: Can you hear us?
5: Nine? Do I see nine?
1: He's asking how old you are gonna be.
5: I'm gonna be nine. Nine! Simon is gonna be nine on Thursday. Happy birthday, Simon! <laughs> okay. A lot of reasons to celebrate. Uh Simon, and he also shares a birthday with Mary Beth Madden, uh, on Thursday. And then Carlos and Ruth Santana, um, have an anniversary on Saturday, but I think it would be good for us to sing happy birthday to G Young and then happy birthday to Simon. But, um, do we want to do it unmuted or?
1: Yeah.
3: Okay. Julie says yes. Everybody unmute and Mary, you lead it. Okay, we'll we'll sing to G Young first. Well,
5: is she gonna come down Sunlock?
3: Uh yeah, just a moment, please.
5: <laughs> okay, well we'll we'll sing to Simon while he's going to get G Young. Okay, so here we go, everybody.
1: <laughs> Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. you. Happy birthday, birthday to you.
4: To you. Happy birthday, dear Simon.
0: Happy birthday to you.
3: Happy
1: birthday.
5: Happy, birth- Happy birthday,
3: Simon.
5: Ji-young, <laughs> <laughs> she's coming. Here she comes. Wednesday night, we're going to have a prayer meeting again on Zoom. But Tuesday night, please pray for us. Um, Crosswave will be having our first in-person get-together. We're going to be outside um, at a church in in a grass field. And we're coming together to celebrate our seniors and also to worship together. So uh, that's Tuesday night. If any of y'all would like to join us, it's at Fairview Baptist Church on 1010, very near where Preston and Tia live. So you'd be welcome at seven o'clock to join us. And Bring, those,
3: your, own, bring your own chair.
5: Yes. <laughs> and Jonathan, Jonathan, don't go away again. Tell him to come back, Rebecca. He's, he's great right There he is. Last week, on last Sunday, Jonathan was a Peruvian citizen. And on Monday, he is now officially a citizen of the United States of America. Congratulations, Jonathan.
3: Hey, <laughs> Jonathan. What an eventful time to become an American citizen, right?
5: Lot of reasons. (laughs) Congratulations,
3: Jonathan.
1: Thank you. Thank
5: you. Uh, And I see the faces now of the Ross family. We are so glad, Ross family, that you all joined us this morning. And do we have online that I can't see? No, maybe I just see all, all of us then. Welcome. Oh no, there's Yunling. Hi, Lynn from England. Hi,
1: welcome. There's okay, Mary. Yeah, nice to meet you all. Yeah, I'm very uh, touched by the today's assignment. Uh, I I love it. Yeah, our joy root should be with God. It's a lot. Thank you. Yeah, I love it.
3: Thank you. <laughs> Thank Good to you. see you.
5: Mm-hmm. And also, I love the sound, Jesus is the answer.
3: Ah. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's an oldie, probably 50 uh, years old or more. Oh,
1: really? Yeah. I love it. It's
3: been around. Jesus Jesus has been the answer for a long time.
1: <laughs> Definitely.
5: That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. And he is today, and he will be tomorrow. Right. Randy, again,
1: thank you for that man.
3: well everybody hopefully you have a call your dad if you can Um, go see him if you can remember him if that's what you have to do but um, none of us got to choose our fathers but God chose our fathers Um, and let's give thanks as we've been encouraged here already Um, thank you Jesus Anybody else got something they need to share?
2: Happy Father's Day. everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> I
1: have one. Maybe pray for my parents because they both got a COVID, and right now they're both in the hospital, and I hope everything will be fine with them, but
3: if we can pray, it would be very good. Slava, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, is it just your dad? No, both, both My my mom and my dad right now in the hospital, and they both got it. Okay.
2: How
5: long has your father been in the hospital?
1: Uh, my father had been in the hospital for one week, and my mother for I think four days.
3: Okay.
0: Great.
1: Oh, I know my mother in. In the much worse situations than my dad, but I hope everything will be fine. It's both of them.
3: Greg, would you pray? Let's pray together, everyone.
2: Jesus, we just come to you and and uh, just trust and faith that um, your hand is so merciful to us all the time. We just. Um, Lord, there's no doubt in our mind how glorious you are, how powerful you are, how loving and compassionate you are. And we pray, Father, that you would reach out your hand through the Holy Spirit and just touch Slava's parents, his mother and his father, and that this uh, virus would be something that is quickly brought under control and eliminated from their body, that they might be restored to health and quickly able to go back home again, Lord, and enjoy the life you've given them. And I pray, Father, that they would see the hand of God moving in their lives so that they can rejoice before you and rejoice before others at the saving mercy, but overwhelming compassion of the living God. So again, Lord, as, as one body and one people, we call to you in the name of your Son to show your mercy and your compassion and your healing. Slava's parents, and it's in Jesus' name that we ask it, amen.
0: that like the old gospel spiritual, you went down to the river to pray. Anything God <laughs> revealed to you that would encourage us today? Yes,
1: you know, I think the thing that's been the most on my mind as we've had our church service this morning is the reality that Jesus does not change, that God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so statues may come down, protests may take place, buildings may be destroyed, but God does not change. And if I keep my eyes on him, I'm stable and safe. If I look at all of the uh, incredible things around me, it's sobering, unnerving, and upsetting, but if I'm looking at Jesus, he's the same. He was the same when I was down at the river. (laughs) I was sitting in the living room there, Randy, having a quiet time, and I suddenly began to recall the first time I'd ever been there. I don't know that anyone online was there that particular weekend, but Lisa's mom had invited me to bring a retreat group down. And I had created a retreat because of that, the first one that we ever had with the of that group. We were too many people, <laughs> even for that big house. And different neighbors opened up their homes and took people in. And we had the most incredible, most powerful retreat, where there was just a sovereign move of God. So as I sat there recalling, this was where it started. And I played that song I had played for us as a church, Take Me Back, Take Me Back, Lord. So in the past, he was the same as he is today and as he will be tomorrow. So that's a key thing I take back from the river, <laughs> from the time of quiet and solitude and uh, seeking Lord.
3: it's good to see all of you folks today
0: good to be seen
3: yeah thank you randy (laughs)